Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello everybody, my name is Neil White and from Backpage, this is the big interview with Graham Hunter. We are off and running with another season, this is the first of our monthly Q&A shows. So in Barcelona we have Graham Hunter, your host for the big interview, and we're joined by Pete Jensen. And let me tell you, if you think PSG are stockpiling talent this summer, you haven't been paying attention to La Liga TV. Pete is the returning ace over there, so the Mbappe to Gary Lineker's Messi. Graham, you can be Neymar. Seriously, just before we start, you two both do comms and studio work for La Liga, so you must be a little bit buzzed about how they're ramping up this season. Yeah, particularly, listen, Pete's done some of it this season. Um, I'm yet to debut, that'll be Sunday. I don't know when people are listening to this, but the SPN uh, talent roster is absolutely fantastic. I think to to one of the things, it's not just the talent on it, it's got to be reach. Um, ESPN is... Uh, an indication that now La Liga can basically be be taken in every you know every home in in North America, whereas before the the B in signal didn't reach properly. So you had lots of people, and across the time we've been publishing books, Neil, or the the films come out. There's always a the question of how do I get hold of? How can I? I didn't think it was like that with television anymore, but it is, Pete, isn't it? And and ESPN uh, now give us a bigger reach in the states, which I think is just. It's not about um, our plans for um, you know global extension. It's about people who want to be able to see great football, being able to see great football. Yeah, it feels like we've been on AM for a long time and now we're on FM. When you introduce him in the future, can we trademark? Can we just say the mighty Pete Jensen? Can we t- let's not mess around anymore? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I'm one down I'm one down before the season's even started. So never mind Mbappe and Neymar, you, you are now the smashy and nicey of, of La Liga TV. That's much more accurate. Absolutely, mate. But I'm all time favourite. The questions... <laughs> the, Absolutely great, mate. Absolutely great, mate. The questions for these shows come from our socios. The listeners who support us at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. We have a new one um, that arrived in the last couple of days. So hello, Jamie Martin. You are our most recent socio. Welcome and thank you. And we have a whole bunch of first-time contributors to the Q&A show this month. So let's go. First up is Derek Elder. Derek says, Hi Graham, with Messi leaving, will this now allow other players more freedom to express themselves and their ability more? On the same subject, Michael English asked, with the adjustment of Messi having left and the chasm it may create, do you think they will remain competitive and be in a position to challenge? Does it give players like De Jong and Pedri a new lease of life and freedom to come to the fore? 
So we're going to start off by focusing in this first part of the Q&A on Messi and Barcelona. Um, Graham, it's an interesting one because, you know, ever since Messi's been Messi, there's been uh, some analysis that the Barcelona team revolved and, and kind of like um, more and more as the years went on revolved around him. How much does it change for the guys that were playing behind him and around him? Well, I think I'm, I'm word that's missing in Derek's question is responsibility because the the absolute worst of, of sort of mental log jamming that occurred amongst players who, who couldn't click with Messi, that had largely diminished. There was certainly a case that... Um, Brathwaite was taking a lot of time to understand Messi. It, it was, it was the case. Well, let's go back to Slatan and David Villa, and and you know there have been other footballers who, who have wanted to take protagonism, and Messi's like, you know, give me the ball now. There was a famous time when Messi turned to his left, I think, and and gave David Villa a massive row in the middle of the the pitch in the middle of a match, <clears throat> and and yet when Villa recently was asked for. You know the greatest ever players he'd seen or worked with. He named Messi easily number one, not just to have worked with, but he thinks he's the number one player ever. Full of admiration for him, despite having his head bitten off by Messi now and again by for not doing what he was told. And this this Martinet idea that that everybody had to dance to Messi's tune off the pitch, I think wasn't quite as true um, as as people as the malicious gossip mongers like to portray. Um, very firm views could take offence if, if somebody wasn't doing what he wanted. Yeah, but that's standard for any dressing room. On the pitch, it was different. It, you know, if, if somebody wasn't clicking with Messi, then it, it became a central problem given how important he was. He was the central nervous system. Um, the, the, the name that steps forward for Derek's question probably is, is Griezmann because at first Griezmann and Messi, it... it Kiesman wanted to be the, the puppy dog chasing the tennis ball, wanted to be everywhere, whereas what Messi wanted was a system via which, again, I, I'd use the point, he was the, the centre of command and if the ball didn't go off him, it was like, it, it was him um, saying, I, I want to start the move, be where you should be, systematic, whereas Griezmann was like, I've invented this idea, this runs what I used to do, or I'm going to drop back and press. And so, uh, but halfway through last season, particularly in games against Athletic, um, Griezmann and Messi had easily Griezmann had figured out what to do how to service the great man another great example was at Villarreal when it was a little back heel from Messi and a, and a chip from Griezmann they did work it out so in terms of taking Messi out of the equation and then saying life's easier for everybody I don't think it's going to be like that and the responsibility factor is that there's an awful lot of goals we won't see the same style of play because nobody else is Messi but the, you know, in terms of goals scored and assists given, yeah, the the tasks now need to be handed out, Derek. Yeah, if you want to be really optimistic about it, I suppose you can you can go back to when Deco and Ronaldinho left, and the way that Xavi and Iniesta just exploded after that, kind of stepped into the vacuum. Um, but I'm not sure. Well, there is no Xavi and there is no Iniesta this time, so you know it's it's, it's gonna it's gonna be more difficult. Sure, Jordi Alba won't now be passing to Messi every time he gets the ball. Um, but does that make things better? Uh, depends on depends who he passes to. Instead, sure, other people can take free kicks, but they're not going to score them the way Messi did. I, I think I think I'm on the side of the 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 argument that Barcelona are going to miss, but Messi even more than people think. Not and the, and the and the the gains are going to be so small compared to the losses. 
Um, but um, Griezmann is an interesting one. The criticism of, of him has been unfair because if you look at if you look at the stats and if you look at the way he's applied himself in the last two years, um, uh, he, can't, he, he to me he's beyond criticism. And, and the, the criticism that's made of him is that yeah, but we paid over a hundred million for him, and for that you have to be the match winner and you have to lead the team. How can he possibly lead the team and be the match winner? Well, Messi was there. He knew that Messi had to take that role and he had to fit in around it. Now there's no Messi, so so let's see if he steps up in the way that and, and grows in the way that Xavi and Iniesta did when when Deco and Ronaldinho left. On Griezmann, because that's the player that you two have both focused on. I mean, is is there any question that he will last the window as a Barcelona player? Short and simple answer: He, he told them that the only club he would possibly go to was Atleti. Other than that, he wasn't very interested. Um, there was a little bit of a tickle from Manchester United. But of course, the Jaden Sancho deal um, tripped that up, and my guess, be, my my guess would be, yeah, he, he's a Barca player for the at least the remainder of the season, at least. And he was prepared to sorry Neil, he was prepared to go to, to Atleti. I mean, he he's been adamant since he joined, and all the stories that have circulated about him leaving, he's been adamant that he didn't want to leave and he wanted to stay. And for the first time, he'd accepted that, yeah, OK, you want me to go to Atleti, I'll go to Atleti. And as Graham says, it's the one club I will go to. And Sal wanted to come to Barca. So I think that deal, we can't underestimate how close that, that deal was to being, to being made. And, you know, the last minute, the fact that Barcelona didn't want to take any hit on, the, on, on Griezmann's wages and, and the fact that Atleti thought Barca was so desperate that we can push them on this and then, and then, and then it falls apart. Second question from socio Jake Garlic, who's going to take us back to the issue that was dominating every football conversation last week. Jake says, putting my tinfoil hat on, if Barcelona really wanted Messi to stay, why did they let his contract expire? Surely they knew. Uh, Pete, I think you should take this one first. Well, I would, I would um, flip Jake's question on its head and say if Messi really wanted to stay. Um, rather than if Barca really wanted him to stay, I think we, we know we know why Messi didn't sign when Bartomeu was was the president, um, uh, and we know why Barcelona weren't able to make him stay. Then Laporta comes in, so yeah, there could have been a there could have been a, a contract renewal and, and and not a situation where his contract had run out and he had to be a new signing. I think a part of Leo Messi wanted to go, um, and people will say, so why is he in floods of tears then on the Sunday? Well, he's in floods of tears on the Sunday because it's 20 years of his life and he's, he's, he's closing the door on 20 years of his life. He's got a room full of people that he's not going to see on a regular basis anymore that for the last two decades he's seen every day. Of course, he's in bits. But that doesn't mean that, um, above all else, Leo Messi is a competitor. And he knows that three Champions Leagues, because he doesn't really count the one in Paris when he didn't even play, and no World Cups, is a poor return for the greatest player that's ever played the game. And he could see at Barcelona that uh, even if they managed to scrape enough money out from the back of the sofa to pay for him, they weren't going to have a team capable of winning the Champions League. So, And I was at the, the goodbye press conference, and you know you, you see him come out, and, he, and he's in the floods of tears... And he, he looked very much like he did when he first joined the club, kind of head bowed and, you know, timid and, and a little bit awkward. Um, but the remarkable change during the however long the press conference lasted as the questions started to turn towards the future. 
And at one point he said, yeah, I'm going to be sad when I leave here. But as soon as I get back to playing football, which is what I love to do more than anything, then, then that sadness will disappear. And you saw how he was at the, at the PSG um, uh, presentation. You saw how willing he was to poke his head out of every single window bit at the airport, the hospital, the hotel, to wave to the fans. Um, a little bit reminiscent of when Raul, after two decades at Real Madrid, went to, to went to Schalke and how much he loved it. This is going to be that times a hundred because he's going to win things. Um, and um, I think they went into that. And let's not forget with the fifty percent thing. Everyone talking about this big sacrifice that Messi was going to make in terms of in terms of salary, um, the fifty percent cut. But he was, he, they were asking for two years' money across five years. So he was going to get the full amount of money. He, he didn't sit down with Barcelona and say, listen, just give me a two-year deal or even just give me a one-year deal. I'm not saying he should have, by the way. He's given fantastic service to Barcelona and he's got every right to say, listen, after two decades, lads, you're in a bit of a state. You've screwed it up badly. You've not made the best of things with the best player in the world. And uh, you know what? I've got a couple of years left playing in Europe. And I'm going to go with my pal and, and have some fun in Paris. And it's been good. Neil, it's a, Neil and Jake, it's a brilliant answer from Pete. And um, I haven't heard you on this subject at all, Pete, before. And it, and it you know, knocks you back in your heels um, to hear fresh ideas differently expressed. Because the, the tone of what Pete said there and the content is, is really rather different to what's been going on in Spain. Uh, where people have been kind of lost in the hurly-burly of... Uh, finger pointing and accusations and sadness and, and conspiracy theories. Analytically, I think that's as good as you're going to get. Jake's question leaves a bit of room. I don't think necessarily this is the way Jake was asking it about, because Jake, you know, it wasn't in Barcelona's power to renew his contract. It was down to Messi. And Messi and his people are obviously keeping as strong a hand as they possibly could in normal circumstances by saying, you know, we, we want to take a look at what else is going around. If you, you've got to compete with other offers, clearly the other offers came in, but the interesting thing to me, one of the interesting things was that it wasn't exactly cap in hand, but Messi having turned Paris Saint-Germain down, had to go back to them, or his dad did at least, and say, ah, you know, see that no that we gave you a few weeks ago? Well, it's now probably a yes because, you know, we've been betrayed. And, and Jake, your question leaves room for, you, you finish it by saying surely they knew and if they really wanted to keep him. I think there is a, you know, there's a very serious accusation of double dealing to Joan Laporta, the president, who sat down for weeks and weeks and negotiated with Messi, perhaps in the in the belief that he could get rid of enough salary that they could actually fulfil this deal that they were offering to Leo Messi and register him with the Liga. Whereas now, when you look at the figures, when we're granted access to the figures, it, it's it seemed absolutely impossible. And we're still from a, not a conspiracy theorist's point of view, but, you know, Joan Laporta had Jorge Messi and, and Leo Messi believing that they were coming uh, that Thursday to sign a new deal. And, you know, treating them that way is, is pretty rep- reprehensible in my view. I'm actually, the more that I think about it, including listening to Pete, I'm really enthused by watching Leo Messi at that club in, in, in that company. Financial fair play and, and state-owned clubs aside, the ultimate product is is what we watch on the pitch and how they compete. And I hope it's not a hard on globe trotter side, but if you look at the strength of the first 15, 16, 17 players, it's absolutely extraordinary. Setting aside for later months the questions about 
you know, the financial health of European football and whether the PSG should be allowed to do that. The fact is, we're going to be watching it and um, it'll be interesting to watch Messi on different pitches in a different climate, having to operate in a daily, not the training ground, but having to operate daily around a different language, in a different culture. That will interest me enormously. Um, I, I suspect if it clicks, they're treble winners this season. Um Having never won the Champions League before, but Laporta remains the figure who uh, Jake uh, hasn't been telling the truth uh, to everybody um, all the time. That's for sure. And where he's lied most knowingly will be will judge how guilty he is of a big sin against uh, the history of Barcelona and towards Leo Messi. And I and I suspect that the 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 Barca fans are going to look more and more at whether. Florentino Perez clicked his fingers and said, see this deal you're doing with La Liga to keep Leo Messi and allow yourself to, to register him. That's making them more powerful. It's stopping our Super League fight. We'll come to that in a minute. But I think it's going to emerge that Juan Laporta danced to Florentino Perez's tune over Leo Messi. And if we try, if Pete or I had tried to sell you that story 18 months or four years ago, there will be a Barcelona president who, when the Real Madrid president clicks his finger, lets Leo Messi go... You know, there have been, you know, villages and pitchforks and torches outside our houses trying to, you know, take our heads and put us in the stocks. We'll get back to that stuff shortly. Um, but our next question comes from our sponsors at Bet365, who sort of pitch forward to life after Leo and ask, will Barcelona finish outside of the Champions League places over the next three seasons? So if we take that kind of non-specifically to refer to sort of a medium-term decline um, on the pitch post-Leo Messi and presumably with the effects of Laporta's kind of shocking account of the accounts um, taken into consideration. Can we expect a medium-term decline from Barcelona in the, in the coming seasons, guys? I think it's I think it's possible this season. I've just had to do my predicted league table and I've, and I've, I've put them fourth, but... It's not inconceivable that Sevilla, uh, Villarreal, Atleti and Real Madrid finish above Barcelona this season. A lot would depend on the atmosphere. Graham, what Graham says about how the fans now perceive Laporta as being a bit of a puppet for Florentino. He doesn't seem to be in control, uh, even at his own club. It seems that Fran Reverti is calling the shots and is maybe the one who came in on that Thursday when everything changed and said, you know what, this CVC deal, you're not. there's no way you can accept it. Um so if the, if the supporters, and of course they're back in the stadiums now, there's going to be 30,000 there on Sunday against Real Sociedad, um, and the capacities are going to rise through the season, so the Camp Nou hopefully will be full, you know, sort of middle of the season time. Um, and how the supporters react to the president, how they react to the players as well. Some of the players were, were whistled, booed at the start of the Gamper, the last friendly before the season starts, because they're blamed for either not leaving or, or for taking um, um, long, long new contracts, as if the players will turn those down. Obviously, the blame lies with the people who gave them those contracts. But the atmosphere in general could be a little bit poisonous, and that will really that's really going to take its toll in this particular season. I think Ansu Fati is massive in terms of how the season goes. If Ansu Fati comes back pretty soon, playing the way he was before he got injured, um, then that will cheer everybody up in harness with Pedri. Um, we'll all be talking about you know the future and the new Barca. 
Um, but that's a big, that's a lot of responsibility on his shoulders after a whole season out injured. Um, and if and if you don't get that kind of boost of youth, and it is a little bit doom and gloom, and the atmosphere turns a little bit poisonous, I think especially in this season, uh, with other teams as strong as they are, yeah, they, 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 there's a real fight on their hands to stay in the top four. The bet three six five questions are a tough one, Neil, because they ask, "Will Barca finish out the Champions League in what is it next three seasons?" Next three seasons. You know, you know, every week's an odyssey is a universe. You <laughs> never mind the next two seasons. Um, if you wanted a, a, a wild punt on it, then the idea that things might get worse before they get better, and they might finish outside the Champions League positions as they did the last time that uh, Laporta was taking over, and they ended up being knocked out of the UEFA Cup by Celtic with those remarkable couple of games. Uh, Alan Thompson scoring at Parkhead, and then the the nil nil um, at uh, Camp Nou, which t- to this day I haven't seen many more. Um, five nil mask or nil nil masquerading as a five nil game. It was an extraordinary one, and they were knocked out of the UEFA Cup. So feasible idea this season. This season, I think that if they register their players, they they, they win the title. Um, I you know the the players we're talking about registering to have mentioned them so far. Some people will know that they've signed Eric Garcia on a free. They've recouped their shared investment on Emerson at Betis and said okay. Just like they did once with De Stefano, who was shared with Real Madrid, but they gave up on that. Well, with Emerson, they they they, they bought half shares with Betis and, and the Brazilian right back. I, I like the look of. He's still raw, but he's better than Dest right now. Um, if he comes in, Eric Garcia at right centre back. Depay clearly at the moment is in good nick and motivated. Strange player, strange man, but but talented and very very much Cumin's pupil. The guy around whom Koeman based his three-five-two when he was the Netherlands coach, somebody who absolutely understands the coach's will, and therefore, Ansu is, is Pete's answer to Ansu, and it's it's to me it's just exciting to see him back because there's been so many operations on what should have been a routine piece of uh, you know foliage clipping that. Um, you began to worry for his future a little bit, so let's let's wait and see how well he looks when he's back, how soon he gets back. But we'll talk about other clubs in a moment. My, my idea is that there is such character, such talent in that Barcelona squad, and the time between January and April last season showed them to be extremely strong again, um, erratic, and then Koeman screwed up and didn't have the wherewithal to understand what was needed when his teams worked out his system. But it, once you introduce, let's say, Emerson, Ansu, Eric Garcia, Depay to this squad, um, I, I think they will, unless Mbappe comes to Roman, I think Barcelona will win the title. We're going to take a quick break now. We'll be right back with more of your questions. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back. Okay, we have a two for now. Um, two socios asking linked questions. Let's start with Luis Berga, who asks... Graham, can you explain the latest twists and turns with the CVC La Liga deal? If I understand correctly, uh, says Luis, they just did the same proposed deal except they cut out Real Madrid and Barcelona. If that's true, then that seems like a very good thing for the league as a whole. But it begs the question, is the hesitancy by Madrid and Barca Super League related or do they simply think of themselves as too valuable to use the same terms as everybody else? And Ian Boddy asks, four clubs voted against the La Liga CVC deal, including Barca and Madrid. Will they stick with this position and miss out on the funds or not? Difficult for Laporta, who said Messi had to go to avoid mortgaging the club's future because if he changes position on CVC now, then Messi must have had to go for another reason. What's your view? Graham, would you like to jump in first on that one? Well, Luis and Ian, I don't think we've answered a more difficult question or more complicated <clears throat> question on, on this um, social Q&A. And I want to lean heavily on Pete to, to guide me back onto the straight and narrow when I, you know, when I disappear off into the darkness. Um, I really liked Athletic Club's point of view who said, uh, well, you've just thrown this at us. This is extraordinarily big in terms of the potential good but also the potential um, debilitating clauses. Um, you're throwing money at clubs in a way that can distort the transfer market right at the last day. Okay, there's three weeks left, two and a half weeks left. Um, you, we, we haven't got the time to study it. You're asking us to rush this through. And, and it was the most grown-up answer I've heard about this during the whole summer. Um, Luis talked about... Um, if they go ahead with the same sort of deal, but without the the big two, and at the moment with Athletic, um, isn't it a good deal for Spanish football? The fact is, I don't know, and I'm really sad to say this because um, Javier Tebas, the president of La Liga, is somebody with whom I I don't share a lot, particularly politics, but I unequivocally think that the majority of what he's done since he came in has been really, really important for not just La Liga as an entity, um, and by which I mean the member clubs and the structure, not the company, but I think that he's modernising. I think the the salt he's rubbing on wounds is, is salt that needs to cauterise wounds that have held Spanish football back for, for many, many years. And we're used to, in this country, 
although neither Peter or I are lobby journalists who, who need the favour of a, t- a particular president, it's impossible not to, to fall into the mode of reporting whereby knowing a president or knowing a spokesman or knowing a vice president or being tipped from within a club helps guide you about what's going to happen because normally the club's ruled, particularly the big two, three. Um, at the moment, my position, as far as Lise and uh, Ian need to understand, is, is a little bit like athletics because certainly the reporting in Spain following the meeting of the clubs yesterday is that well, this will just go ahead with without the, the the two cherries on the icing. Well, CBC haven't spoken about this, and I haven't seen I, we, I, we haven't really seen CBC, um, a private equity investment fund, speaking great length about it. Particularly if they're being asked to give the same deal without Real Madrid and Barcelona, and just in grown up terms, if if you if I adopt the Athletic Club position. If they're going to offer the same money for a deal without Real Madrid and Barcelona, then your ears need to prick up and think, well, what's in it for them? It seems utterly impossible that that could, should go ahead. Utterly impossible. Um, and, it, and if they do go ahead on the same terms, then exactly what kind of um, riches are waiting for CVC over, over the remaining 40 years um, of the deal where they'll be clawing back their investment and, and making hundreds of millions of profit? And if the clubs have taken time to go and speak to people in F1 about being involved with CVC as the coach driver of your sport, they won't get good reports. So, you know, it, it, it presses at the most, not debilitated, debilitated part of your response system to say, the loose equation is, Spanish football is in grave debt. We're going to speak about transfers in a little bit. In, in our working lifetimes, Pete and I, there have never, there's never been less investment in new players during a transfer window. The clubs are in genuinely perilous positions and they're being offered pretty immediate sums of, of large cash. And your instinct is not just to say take it at any cost, but your instinct is to say, well, we need that so much now then, you know, the, the, the devil and coachman that ride through your club for the next 40 years, well, be damned, just take it. And I, I hate being aligned with the, this current version of Florentino Perez, who I'm pretty sure that Luis Asta is the Super League behind this, and it is one of the, apart from looking at the terms and conditions in the CVC offer, there is no doubt in my mind that Florentino Perez has said this strengthens Javier Tebas, who's one of our top two opponents for the Super League. This this strengthens the resolve of any other clubs in Spain not to support us in any way for the Super League. This makes La Liga stronger if this money comes in. We're just not taking it point full stop. So I hate to be aligned with this version of Florentino Perez because, you know, he's an he's an he's an ass for his greedy self-serving Superliga plans. It's, it's just completely wrong. I'll oppose him until my last breath. But unfortunately on CBC, I have grave, grave reservations, Ian, Luis, about whether it's the right deal. And, and, and now Pete will put the finer points on my, on my broadsword slashing <laughs> left and right. Well, um, it, the deal was £2.7 billion, um, to be shared between the, top two, the, the, the clubs in the top two divisions. Having said no, the four clubs obviously won't, as it stands now, they won't get any money. And so it becomes 2.1 billion. And it's shared between, instead of all the clubs in the top two divisions, all the clubs bar Athletic, uh, Atletico, uh, Barcelona, Real Madrid, and Oviedo. 
Um, and Oviedo's um, reasoning behind rejecting it was quite interesting as well because they said, you know, we're in good shape. We actually don't need this money. We don't need to take this gamble. Um, and in one way, it's a little bit contradictory. Tevez has done so well um, to, as they say, sanar las cuentas uh, of Spanish football and, and sort out the, the, the finances of Spanish football. And the clubs don't owe the Spanish tax man um, the, the, the obscene amounts of money that they once did. Um, and the clubs are in better shape. Now, obviously, they've been shaken up massively by the pandemic and no, no more so than the bigger clubs who rely on, the, on, on, the, on match day money coming in. But they're in pretty good shape, all things considered. So to then have to take this, what has to be considered a gamble, because you're talking about the next 50 years giving up 10% of your TV money, um, it's a little bit contradictory. Um, But all the clubs, bar the four that we've mentioned, have have said yes. Madrid are going to take this to court. Now, the fact that La Liga say, okay, well, now the the money won't go to Madrid and Barcelona or Athletic and Oviedo... um, Therefore, it becomes less money. That may weaken any legal challenge because you know Madrid aren't part of aren't part of the deal anymore. Uh, they're not going to get the money. They don't have to give up their ten percent. Um, but doesn't it send Madrid and Barcelona down a separate avenue where they can end up negotiating their own TV deals? We don't want that. That's going back to the bad old days of you know a, a decade or so ago when 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 that was very much what they wanted to do. So um, you can understand Athletic saying, we're not really sure about this, it's been, it's been foist, hoisted on us. Um, and you can understand Oviedo saying, listen, um, in, in many ways, thanks to the measures that La Liga have taken, we're not in that bad a shape, all things considered, so do we need to be doing this now? Um, there was private investment, there was an um, investment fund behind the Super League idea as well, remember, and that was one of the things I didn't like about it, one of the many things I didn't like about it. And it's the thing I don't like about this either. The one good thing is that clubs are not going to be able to spend all the money in the transfer market. I mean, there's, it's very clear that I think Barca, had they said yes, would have got 280 million uh, and only 40 million of that um, would have been able to spend on players. Uh, a large chunk of it has to go on infrastructure um, and um, another chunk on, on restructuring debt. Um, so, you know, Tebes is still trying to make sure that the money that comes in is spent on growing the league uh, in a sustainable way. So that's admirable. Um, but um, I completely understand the, the, the reservations and I second that emotion, Graham, what you, what you just said. Our final question for this first part of the monthly Q&A comes from social Adam Brocklehurst, who says... I think many see Messi and Ronaldo leaving for pastures new just being the tip of the iceberg with even those that have stayed such as Cruz Modric, Benzema or Black Griezmann and Bale having started to either play into or past their absolute peak or have played themselves out of form. As a result, is La Liga diminishing in quality and how does its overall quality compare to Europe's other top leagues as we stand here today? So I guess you two are very much part of the way La Liga is exported to the rest of the world. Um, How do you think post-Messi, post-Ronaldo, obviously in the bigger picture, and with those stars that Adam's just named, approaching the twilight of their careers, Graham, how do you think La Liga compares right now with the other shows in town? Well, I'm going to take the Smokey Robinson position on this one and I'm going to work out where Adam got his notion, which was the same notion as people have been peddling to us, Pete. For the last, I don't know, seven, eight years. Now, maybe, um, what, what, I remember my uncle, uh, my uncle Sander saying to me, like, which is, which is uh, more accurate? A watch that's five minutes late or a watch that's stopped? 
And it's like, well, what's it stopped to be right twice a day? And sooner or later, Adam's question will will hit a target. But one, we've been hearing this um, put on us, not by people like Adam, who, if he's a socio here, is you know a wide-thinking, smart, um, cosmopolitan, visionary socio. Hello, Adam. But um, the idea that La Liga's in decline has been pumped at us through various channels for, I would say, seven, eight years. I was in Belfast recently um, for the Super Cup final, and I must admit, looking at Villarreal's problems where Coquelin and, and Parejo were out, um, several of the players that started hadn't had much or any pre-season football, They'd been struck by COVID. They'd cancelled their pre-season tour. I think it was meant to be in Austria. Um, Voith had been sort of carried off the training pitch on, on the Monday. And they went out against the Chelsea side, never mind being European champions, and never mind Emery and his players consistently re- referring to them as the best team in the world. Um, I, watched them, I watched Chelsea training on the Tuesday night. And the fantastic thing, Adam, was that you get access to a full training session, so you watch them, and Chelsea's training was was blisteringly good. I was so entranced by watching the different methods, ways in which they've taken certain drills and and um, renewed them. And if you got if you got Adam Pep Guardiola on this social Q and A, and you asked him about what happened, one of the things that happened during the Champions League final, Guardiola would tell you that he's enamoured with the way that not just the Things are developing. The, the, the Chelsea press, and when they win the ball, which they're very, very good at, became particularly good at under Tuchel. What Guardiola is entranced with is, is the decision-making once they've got the ball back for you on a press and how rarely they then lose it again. So many teams, if they press and win it, will be um, peremptory and, and chicken with that head about, like, nah, charge, we go forward, and then they lose the ball again. And Guardiola's version is that, that Tuchel has got it drilled into his team really, really well. What the system is, not just about how to press and win the ball, but whether then to punch or whether then to build your guard up and, and build the play again, which is a you know it's a fantastic thing to, to be focusing on when we're watching Chelsea over the next few months. And in training the other day, it just it just stood out that, that Chelsea should should dismantle Villarreal. Now if anybody watched the game, I was lucky enough to be there. If anybody watched the game, for 20, 25 minutes it, it looked like a four five nil. And in the end, 120 minutes, um, certainly Chelsea's scoring chances were, were there, but it was Villarreal who, who got the equaliser and hit the woodwork twice and, and therefore, you know, by your normal measures, could have won, might have won on penalties, didn't. And, th- and that was a, a side that, you know, considerably finished outside the Champions League slots in Spain and really quite capably held and should have beaten the European champions. Now, it's a one-off match. It's early in the season. It is not the litmus test for the whole of the season or for the changing levels of quality. But something's happening in the Premier League and I don't know where Adam lives, but if he lives in England, then it's right this time to be saying, boy, look at the Premier League because it's been years of foreign coaching, foreign physios, uh, continental ideas being infused into what's brilliant about the, the Anglo-Saxon model of football that made it dominant for so many years around the world. And that mix, that cocktail, is very, very high octane indeed. The academies are doing good work. They're churning out players 
you know, who have been brought up in the UK and therefore understand UK football, what the UK fans want, how teams, what their identity are, and yet they play with brains and technique that you used to see more often in the continent than in England. Things are changing. So the Premier League, apart from its investment and its and its um, its its talent plucking, is is an extremely interesting league right now. Yet technique somehow seems to to be able to cope with it. Um, when technique technique is fit enough, um, and and you know not exhausted, and and therefore when I was looking at the, the you know the last I don't know how many, fifteen sixteen, um, super cups, I think Spanish teams had competed ninety seven percent of them, meaning that over at least the last decade and a half, Spanish clubs have either won the Europa League or the Champions League or both. And, and I use that to answer your question, Adam, because things are changing in La Liga. You know, there has been, you know, sequentially, it's probably most notable at Barcelona to a degree at Real Madrid, but, you know, sequentially year on year, Barcelona have, have literally season on season, summer on summer lost Puyol and then Xavi and then Iniesta and then on it goes through, I don't know, Suarez and Neymar and, and, and Messi and you know, you know, it's been it's been a real drain, and they they epitomise what you're talking about. And Real Madrid haven't spent money because they're they're saving their pocket money up in a little piggy bank for Ireland or Mbappe. Things are changing, but I believe strongly believe there are only two ways to 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 look at your question properly. One, will there be any kind of financial fair play? Seferin is to uh, propose a new system altogether that balances out the the privations that clubs have in facing up to, particularly Manchester City, Chelsea and Paris Saint-Germain who have limitless funds if there's no way of um, of of uh, act properly and, and responsibly harnessing that then this will this this brain drain may continue the other the other way to look at it is that if people give a little bit of patience to the to the young talents coming through right across Spanish football and there's a plethora of them then Spanish football will be just fine and the difference will be that you'll see them less often buying superstar footballers because they can't quite compete against Paris Saint-Germain Chelsea and Manchester City but but Adam um, this season again um, I have to say if we haven't got the time to list every quality player that will make you turn on La Liga television this season but no um, I reject your motion Yeah Tevez um, got asked this a couple of times during the summer did a couple of video conferences and his answer was always the same that um, the Premier League has been the best league in the world for years and how many Ballons d'Or they had um, so in other words, having the best players does not equate to having the best league. Um, are we now saying that because Messi plays in France, the French league is better than the Spanish league? Absolutely, 100% it isn't. Um, we've, they've got a ridiculous situation there where they've got far and away the most expensive side that's ever been assembled. And it's in what is France, the fifth league in Europe. Um, it may well be that they have the league won by you know January. Um, Spain were... Brilliant at the Euros, the best team to watch. Silver medalist at the Olympics. We saw what Villarreal did, as Graham's just talked about, against Chelsea and last and at the end of last season against Manchester United. Um, what makes a good league if it isn't having the best players? Well, the fact that it's a competition, and the fact that the competition goes to wire. Um, there was no more exciting league than the Spanish league last season. Um, European places, relegation, who won the title? It's going to be exactly the same this season. Uh, I, I, I genuinely think that there are five candidates, albeit that Villarreal and Sevilla will be outsiders, but five candidates for the title. Um, 
and the the young players that are coming through as well, um, and we we saw that in the Euros with with, with Spain. So um, I'm going to have fun watching Messi, and and PSG is going to be fascinating. But ninety nine percent of the time, I'm going to prefer to watch the the Spanish league and the Premier League because that's where the competition is, and the competition is the key word. They don't have that in in legal, and they, and they do have it in in Spain. They have it in the Premier League as well. Okay, that's all we have for you today. We're back tomorrow with the rest of the questions from our socios looking at the other contenders for La Liga this season. Graham Hunter, Pete Jensen, you were sensational. Thank you for listening, everyone. Enjoy your football. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 